Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Yes, right around the country on the Triple M Network. That is 49 stations and on the listener app. Uh, this is so much fun for us. We've had so many requests to have this man on for a co-host, incredible singer-songwriter out of WA. Of course, based in Victoria now, we've grown up with his music. We're celebrating it. Tracks like... Jerks of attention and of course... Iconic touring around Australia, the world. Inducted into the WA Hall of Fame. And we are getting a new album. Here to talk all things Jebediah is the one and only Kevin Mitchell. It's so good to see you, my friend. Man, Welcome man. back to Homegrown. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, when I hear those songs, I just think, man, they just all sound like so much fun to play. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they are, right? Like, songs like Leaving Home, I'd be happy to never, ever rehearse ever yeah, again. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and when we do rehearse, you know, if we've had a bit of a break from playing, we'll get together in a rehearsal room and, you know, that song will we'll go through it. But um, but no, playing, on, playing live on stage, yeah. I... I, they're still, yeah, they are heaps of fun to play. You guys just look like you're having so much fun. When you get back for those early rehearsal sessions, I spoke to a few bands, is that kind of thing where you play three songs and you're like, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Yeah. It can be on a good day. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, more recently, um, for this tour that we've been doing, we, we got together before the first show in Adelaide and we we did a couple of afternoons nice. um, quite, quite long because we hadn't played in months, quite a few months, and also some new songs as well to play. So, um, so and also, to, we wanted to try and like uh, pull out some songs that we hadn't played for a long, long time. Just oh, to, nice, yeah. Because you know, for the last few years, we've just been playing festival sets, and we kind of just play the, the same yeah. songs every time, right? Which yeah. and you know, it's fine. That's what people are there for. And um, but because this was a, our first proper kind of tour, you know, in since 2019, since before COVID, yeah. Um, we thought, oh, you know, let's let's uh, try and you know pull out some deeper cuts and uh, mix things up a little bit. So yeah, we had to rehearse nice. a little bit more. Uh, what have these shows been like, man? I mean, every time you you guys announce a tour you're playing a festival it's a celebration you know we have a lot of people here that have come and seen you just in the office like what's it like kind of playing these songs and watching the you know the reaction in the audience you know because they mean a lot to so many people you know it's great i mean you know i suppose the thing that one of the things that i, I find really pleasing is that um that we've got a song like she's like a comet which you know is already over 10 years old but it's off the last record that we put out mm. um and so that came out in 2011 and you know that gets as big a response as leaving home in harpoon which came out in the night so How cool is that? I, I feel that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Just having a song that's more recent um, that, that people still respond to like that um, on that level. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that I, that thing of people singing singing your lyrics back to you, uh, that, that yeah. never really gets old. Never gets old. You know, I think like, you know, people's artists, I see in interviews, you know, young, new artists and stuff when they have that sort of breakthrough year or song or moment yeah. or whatever and they play a big festival and, 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 you know, everybody's just singing their song back to the top of their lungs. And, you know, yeah. They always 
always say like how what a massive moment and thrill that is well you know it never ever gets old you know it's been been lucky enough to be doing this for a, a few decades and um that's still a real thrill awesome man well i'd like to take you back to the first ever gig i've got some audio of you oh, describing shit. it here let's go for a trip down memory lane the first proper gig was at a pub in fremantle called harborside for a lot of pubs and stuff tuesday nights were or wednesday nights were often like new band nights so it's basically a night where like, if you were a new band and you, you didn't have any connections or anything you anybody could get a gig you round up as many of your mates as possible and you know if there's any family that are interested <laughs> when you first start off i guess you've got to kind of prove to venues that you can bring people in so that they can sell yeah. lots of beer if you've got a good number of mates that all like to drink beer well then that's a pretty good start yeah. <laughs> and it's funny and i'm talking about you know 1995 when we first started out and now it's you know take away the fact that the world's a bit weird at the moment with coronavirus but before that happened like there are some things that just never change i think if you're a new young band it's probably exactly the same as what it was like 25 years ago those birds chirping in the background was the last time we spoke when you were in a bird <laughs> animal sanctuary um yeah what's it like you know two years and we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the band does that feel like yesterday playing those early shows around Perth? i mean look i it doesn't feel like yesterday i still remember them vividly yeah um because they were so profound they were, they were, it was such a profound part time of my life you know because i was 17 years old when the band started so you know i guess that kind of coming of age time of your life is profound no matter what you're doing right you're falling in love for the first time you know whatever is going on but because of the band as well it was just it was very intense so anyway i i vividly recall a lot of stuff that happened but at the same time though i look back and it does it kind of feels like a lifetime yeah, yeah i mean yeah. a lot has happened since then a lot of life has been lived since then and um and you know we we were we were kids and we were you know very naive um and very innocent <laughs> yeah can you explain what the scene was like in perth we're just saying before like you live uh in melbourne now uh and when you go back to perth what's it kind of like you know revisiting you know those old venues like driving past and kind mm. of experiencing perth again well you know perth has changed a lot i mean cities do change a lot over you know 20 odd years yeah. um perth has changed uh, considerably a lot of those you know there's been a lot of changes of venues um there's still a few around yeah like the rosemount that was around when we first started um but you know when we first started out um you know we were talking a little bit off air like um you know the Perth scene in the 90s you know was still very influenced by its isolation you know we were this was this was before the dawn of social media and the internet was in its infancy um, so we weren't living that kind of digitally connected kind of life yet um, and so that your geographical location you know had a had a huge impact yeah. right and and everybody knows about Perth's isolation and so when you grow up in a city like that um, it does it really Im, 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 import it has a big effect on the yeah. on the kind of culture you know yeah. so we were tight so the scene is tight right because you got to kind of stick together and you know we looked at the eastern state even though everybody looked to the eastern states you know the same way that australia looks overseas in a sense of like you know to be successful you've, you've got to get out of your your own home city we we all knew that but um but we grew up at a time where people would leave perth to do that we'd relocate to sydney or melbourne or a lot of great perth bands in the 80s we just went straight to london um no one really stayed in perth and i think we were kind of one of the first bands that sort of started to get a, a bit of a national profile and didn't move and stayed there and you know it was difficult and it was expensive but I think we kind of hopefully proved I think we I think we proved that it could be done yeah and 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 from there you know it was a lot a load of bands you know um, just every few years someone knew you know whether it was like Sleepy Jackson and Little Birdie and End of Fashion and those guys and Eskimo Joe obviously you got Massive and after that you had Birds of Tokyo and you know all uh, bands that have you know predominantly 
stayed in Perth. Yeah. And now Perth has, the, you know, one of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world and Tame Impala. And sure. so it feels like, you know, and Kevin Parker still lives in Frio and um, although I don't know how much time he's there, <laughs> yeah. there but, um, you know, it feels like Perth kind of, with Tame Impala, it kind of, it, it, it reached, it, it had that international success that I think when we started in the 90s, it desperately wanted. Yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. Wanted that, wanted a band to kind of have that, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, bit by bit, the band's just kind of got more and more successful. And so, yeah, I think, um, so anyway, I think the, the sort of end product of all of that is that there's a lot of WA pride mm. in, in anybody, whether it's in art or sport or culture generally, who kind of represents WA yeah. on the national stage or just outside WA. Like, yeah. unless you're a complete asshole, like yeah. you will have, you will have that sort of support. There's a yeah. lot of kind of pride and that still exists in that from coming from that isolation. And I think what bands, uh, over East love the most about going to Perth is it's just so many people are passionate about music and it's happening seven nights a week. You know, everywhere you go out, there's a band, you know, and I think like uh, some spots, especially now in the East have kind of struggled and people would go out to gigs and especially, you know, 80s, 70s, you know, Perth was happening. And I think, you know, I'm kind of jealous of that. Like that seemed, you know, really cool to be a part of. Yeah. And I wonder what's happened there. I mean, I guess pokies might have something to do with it. You know, pokey machines mm. have never been legalized in, in Perth. So that's helped um, yeah. keep them out of the pubs and stuff and keep the focus on live music. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I know, you know, cities like Sydney have gone through real problems, um, you know, like with their um, live entertainment, like with councils and yeah. all that kind of stuff, legislation trying to sort of turn turn everything down a bit. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe Perth kind of represents itself pretty well for a, a population of that size. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great that it's still like that. I mean, I like I said, I mean, I don't live there anymore, so I only go back there when we play shows. So, you know, I don't have my finger on the pulse of what's happening there yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. as much as I did when I lived there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are going back for mm. a very exciting an occasion. Uh, like I said, being inducted in joining the likes of Dave Faulkner from the Hoodoo Gurus. Bon Scott, then we got the Farris brothers as well. <laughs> Some great company here inducted into the WA Music Hall of Fame, man. Where were you when you got this phone call? Like, how did this kind of happen? Well, I mean, you know, I'll I'll sort of you know get behind, let you behind the veil uh, here, <laughs> yeah, and um, thank you. and and say that um, they actually invited us um, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. All right, and um, and we turned it down not because we didn't want to do it, but we were just like, well, you know, the thing that I don't ever want something like this to represent is like the end. Of something yeah i don't want it to be like like you know when you you, you get your your gold watch and and, yeah. and you're sent off yeah to, to, to put, put off to pasture you know yeah. because you know we we've been in the studio we'd been making new, re- new music we knew that we were sort of you know on our way to kind of putting out new stuff so we thought yeah could you just could we put it off a year cool let us do it next year and then not only can we go there and we can celebrate this thing but we can do it with new music awesome as well awesome. and yeah just gonna feel yeah a lot better absolutely yeah I, t- I totally get that that makes sense as well and you know what a way to celebrate as well you know what you've achieved which is so much in your career and the exciting stuff that you have coming up as well like a brand new album yeah and but you know for and, and i'm not trying to be overly humble here but um you know for me what it speaks to is less about the achievements of the man i mean you know we get reminded all the time um about what we've achieved every time we do interviews or every time you do a gig you know like you're, we're constantly reminded about what we've done 
done in the past and, and you know, we're very grateful for it. In fact, we're more grateful for it now than we ever have been because as you get older, you, yeah. you know, with, with, with age, you, you have perspective and more appreciation for just how great you've, how, how lucky you've been. Yeah, right? So course. we really, really appreciate that. So for us, it's really more about, you know, celebrating that incredible relationship that we've had with our home Absolutely. state and, um, and you don't, you know, it's very difficult to get anywhere in life, whether it's work or anything, you know, without a lot of people, you got to have people who are believing you right it's very hard to, to, to get course. anywhere without people and there's been so many people over the years that have stuck their neck out you know because they believed in us and and you know taken a risk or you know have had really had nothing much to gain from it but just done it because they believe that yeah. we were worth their time or their investment or whatever and mm. so it gives us an opportunity to thank a bunch yeah. of those kind of people who are often yeah. working behind the scenes that you know they're not names that people know yeah of course um of course. but but they're very influential it's such a big part of it isn't it you, they're, they're like family you're spending you in the Tarago, you're catching flights. It's day-to-day stuff, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, family is absolutely is, is really, you know, people sometimes say, oh, you know, it's like you, you can sort of be married. It's like a marriage. And it is in some ways, but I feel like, you know, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, obviously, because Hall of Fame and thinking like, you know, the mar- marriage isn't the right analogy because even though you kind of choose each other, like you can, all, when you break up, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a marriage where you can break up and then go your separate ways. And like with Jeb's, it's more like family. Well, A, because the drummer is actually my brother. Mm. Um, but I, I, the four of us together are always going to be Jeb and I, yeah. you know, like whether we're, whether we're playing music or not. Um, yeah. you know, we Chris and Vanessa have been my friends since high school. Uh, I've known, known Chris since I was 12 years old. Vanessa about the same. Um, you know, we had a whole history before we were in a band, you know, well, we had exactly like five years well, with Brett, obviously my life Yeah, with Chris and Ness, you know. I was friends with them for five years before we picked up instruments. And, and really, you know, the only reason that the band started was because we all loved music and we thought, well, this would just be a cool, fun thing to do, to hang out, right? We'll just, let's start a band just because it's fun. I mean, yeah. you know, we really didn't have any great ambitions apart from like playing real gigs and maybe supporting yeah. one of our favorite bands like UMI or something like that. You know, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the sort of, that was the pinnacle, you know, we just wanted to kind of do what we were seeing other bands do, going to all ages shows and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, it was just kind of a vehicle for us to just just to hang out. So, yeah. you know, I think that's just, even though a lot of things have changed and, you know, many, many years have gone by and been a lot of ups and downs, like, I feel like that sort of basic motivation is still, it's kind of held together yeah. all the way through. Yeah, that's... And, really and, and it's kind of, you almost become full circle. I've, you know, by the time you get to my age, I'm, I'm just turned 46, and you kind of almost become full circle because yeah. you get to a point now where, like this, the, the new music that we've been making recently, you know, we don't have a record company telling us to go into the studio make a record yeah. um you know we finance it all ourselves yeah um we're just doing no one's telling us to do it no, no one's expecting us to do it we're just doing it because because we, we want to because it's yeah. fun yeah <laughs> and we want to hang out and 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 there's you know the, the a lot of the pressure you know that we used to feel isn't there anymore um you know which is really freeing so um so yeah you do in a way you kind of come full circle and and you realize that like oh yeah you know i still just want to do this just for the yeah for the very basic reason of just because it's fun yeah that's a really 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 interesting point there isn't it because it's like you know when you're kind of in the thick of it you might be like hey this is got to be done by here you got to be done by there you got to be and you can kind of just get a bit overwhelmed by it when you're in the process and you're right coming back you know as friends all these years later and doing it because you love it must make everything just that much more special it isn't yeah well you know i think it's a nice reward for hanging in there yes basically well be- said. Well because said. Well said. because it's, and and getting you know getting caught up in the kind of machine of it which you know any band who's ever had any kind of attention goes through it's inevitable you can't avoid it i mean once you start to get attention and you know this this hobby turns into a job or a career or whatever and you know 
record companies involved and management company and all these people are involved. It becomes a business. Um, and you, you know, that's fine. You know, you, you, you get swept along with that. And, and if there's opportunities to turn it into a career, then hell, why, why wouldn't you? Of yeah. course, it's fantastic. Um, but yes, with that also comes a lot of pressure and, and the sort of the, the innocence of what um, caused you to start the band in the first place um, can sometimes kind of be eroded a little bit because, yeah. you know, you're, you're suddenly you're in business with your mates and, um, and there are a lot of expectations, right? And, and, and people spending, investing money that want their, you know, like record companies and stuff, they want to make mm. money. They're in, they're in the business of making money, you know? And so, you know, you get, you go through all of that and, um, and you know, you, your band, you know, same thing. Everyone yeah. who's, who's had any kind of career will go, go through the same thing. But, um, yeah, I'm just kind of glad that we managed to sort of get through all that yeah. experience, taste a bit of success, um, get a, 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 an audience along the way that's kind of really rusted on and stuck, stuck with us. Yeah. And, and now we, and now we kind of come through the, the other side of it and we're st- it's still intact, yeah, you know, right. still, and still we haven't lost the, 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 just the basic kind of love of, of making music. It's really special, man. So what's it like getting back in the studio and writing? Is it kind of, are you doing it the same way you've always done it or is it a little bit of voice memos kind of sending around? It's, like, well, how's, how's it work living? It's totally different. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. completely different because with all those early records, you know, we used to just like book a rehearsal room, you know, three days a week or three nights a week and, and we'd just be jamming all the time and, um, of course. and you'd be doing that for a couple of years and then when it was time to make a record, you, yeah. you know, hopefully by then you, you, you had like a dozen songs that you could, uh, that were ready to go. And then you go into the studio and you just bang them out. That's, that's kind of how we made records, a pretty traditional way of making records. But now um, with this with this last sort of group of songs that we made, which we started, we went to the studio in 2018 with nothing. We just, yeah. cause we, we, and the idea was like, we'll just, we'll book a studio for a week. We'll set up all our gear in, in the room cool. all together cool. and plug in and we'll just do, we'll just jam like we used to do it, but we'll just hit record. Nice. And so we had, you know, we had a producer who basically, or his only job was basically just to hit the space bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time was to, to stop and start the recording. And we just did that. So what we'd, we'd go in at night and, and we'd just do that for like five hours and we'd record oh, everything, right? Oh, cool, cool, And cool. then the next day we'd come back in the studio, we'd listen back to what was sweet, there. Sweet. And we'd go, oh, that thing's cool. Oh, that bit was cool. Nice, oh, that was cool. Nice. And we'd get rid of the stuff that was no good and, and all the thing, little bits of things that we hit upon that sounded good, we'd push over to one side and, and then, yeah, we just kept doing that for oh, about five nights. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from those little snippets, we were able to kind of go, okay, let's let's try that thing again and see if we can turn that into a song. Cool. Um, so we ended up, you know, writing a whole bunch of songs that um, really sound very, I mean, Gum Up The Bearings is probably the only song on the record that is reminiscent, I suppose, of our previous work, okay. which is why it was picked as the first single, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, there's lots of stuff in this record that, are, that, that is really, really uh, different from anything we've done before. And cool. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Um, when you've been around for this long, you've made a bunch of records. I, you know, a long time ago, I, I kind of came to the decision that um, I, I didn't, I was, I was never going to make a record just because I was a musician and that's my job. And that's what I got to yeah. do. I'm only going to make records because I've already made a bunch of records with Jebs and Solo and stuff. So of course, you know, I'm only going to do a record if I've got something to say or if I've got something new to offer. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to. Otherwise, I'll, I won't do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important because I think people can hear it. You know, people can hear a band that's going through the motions, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm really proud of the stuff that we've been doing because um, we are doing stuff that sounds completely different and that's a reason to keep doing it. Absolutely. Know? And what's it been like? How's the reception been live, playing these new tracks live? Yeah, good. Right. Good. I mean, you know, look, it's pretty hard for a, a new song to compete with, like, <laughs> leaving home and stuff. Yeah. You know, we've got to give people a bit of time. <laughs> yeah, we've got to give exactly. people a bit of time to learn the words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, it's great, you know. Um, we've, yeah. 
yeah, we've just on this tour, we've played a couple of new ones, and we'll just awesome. keep putting putting more into the set um, as time goes on. And um, and yeah, but you know, like I think um, we've our yeah our audience is pretty um, like I said before, they're pretty rusted on, and you know we're lucky that um, we've got crowds that that uh, you know will pretty much support whatever yeah. we do. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is it? Um, I think like a really special thing as well is like you know obviously getting together, playing and recording, and having you know the release and something to look forward to. But uh, you know we're touching on it before, like that sense of family and friendship and just being on the road and doing the small things together again like you know even in the Tarago together and doing those drives that you've done before like how well fun- they're Kia Carnivals now <laughs> yeah. the Tarago has been superseded they're by the Kia gone, Carnival. Yeah. sometimes the Hyundai Staria <laughs> yeah um, how much are you loving those moments again because they're quite special as well yeah yeah look look, we all still enjoy at the moment are enjoying each other's company of and um, and that's that's great after so many years that you can't really ask for too much more than that yeah um, but yeah you know at the same time though like you know when we first started out I mean we lived out in each other's pockets you know and yeah. we, we'd go on tour you know we'd leave Perth and once you got over east you'd just stay over east and play for like a month you know yeah. there was none of this flying in and out stuff of course yeah, yeah yeah so we'd go on tour for like a month do all the eastern states and Adelaide and stuff we'd come home and like then the next day someone would be calling someone hey what you doing <laughs> yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we gotta hang out there we were all we all shared the same group of friends so yeah. you know we'd go home and then that, that same weekend we'd all be at the same house party or you know uh, you know all my housemates were people that, that when we first started the, my first share house with all three of my housemates were all people that I met through Ness that, if they were her friends first and um, so you know we were all tied into the same kind of group of people now obviously that's changed now I mean <laughs> yeah. you know um, you know there's like families and kids in, and and of course and all that sort of stuff so um, so I suppose it's you know these days like going away for a weekend of shows is kind of like I guess it's kind of like I wonder if like you know how, you know I've heard about how um, you know men husbands males yeah. um, you know will go go away on boys weekends or you know, girls trip. girls will go on girls yeah, weekends course, and stuff like that oh, I've never once in my life <laughs> been in any way inclined to go away on a boys weekend and <laughs> yeah. I think the reason why is because I've me been too. going me on those too, weekends my whole life yes. like that's what touring me is me too so why would I want to go away again on a boys weekend oh, like man. it's like no that's you've actually just blown my mind <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, I'm going to start asking that to other people who come in that are musicians. I reckon they're going to say the exact yeah, same yeah. thing. Uh, well, while we're on gigs, man, I'd like to play a little game with you. I, took a walk down I love hearing those early stories about your early gigs and stuff. So what I've done is, this is called Memory Lane, and what yeah. I've done is I've plucked out random gigs from your past just to see what you remember. It doesn't need to be like the gig necessarily. Yep. be like going to and from, might be watching one of the bands. Just okay. to pluck your memory. So yeah. we're going all the way back to 1996, where you wow. played with... We are the Beastie Boys back. And... The Fooies, Sonic Youth Payment... Rancid at Fremantle Oval. Man, Tell us about that gig, man. Well, that was, yeah, absolutely unforgettable. It was the first festival we ever played. Um, and there were two, only two stages, um, and we were on the side stage. And, and the, the two, there was a main stage and a side stage, literally right next to each other. Gotcha. Um, and we were on, you know, early in the afternoon, obviously. We'd only be, we'd been a band for like less than a year, I think, at this stage. Really? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, and I remember after I set, oh, during our set, I remember stage diving. Um, How'd that go? 
Chris, yeah, really, really well. So you must have had a good crowd. Really, yeah, had a good crowd. Nice. Um, after I set, I remember just walking on backstage and the guys from Rancid were like throwing a ball to each other or something and they didn't see me. I was walking along. I'm like 17 or 18 years old, super skinny. And these guys were huge and he didn't see me and he like ran into me and nearly knocked me over. And he was so apologetic. Was, sorry, man. Sorry. Um, and then, you know, obviously those that lineup, um, you know, we were huge fans of everyone. Um, and I have my, my favorite memory of, uh, is going out the front and Sonic Youth were playing on the main stage and I was watching their set yeah. and um, they were finishing their set with uh, the Diamond Sea because that washing machine record had just come out. Yeah. And after them, Beck, was he was playing solo just with the guitar. So no it, was, it was like solo folk Beck. Um, and while Sonic Youth are finishing the Diamond Sea, you know, it's this epic kind of long outro, Beck came on stage and um, the PA is turned on and everything and he just starts jamming along to the end of Diamond Sea oh, yeah. as a way of kind of going into his Integrating, yeah, yeah. And at the time, as a kid, um, I was just, I just thought that was the coolest thing in Absolutely. the world. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Sonic Youth are here, Beck's jamming with Sonic Youth on the stage next. I Like, my tiny mind was just so blown yeah, away yeah. and just, yeah, I mean, well, even just now thinking about it, you know, it's incredible, like, what a, what a, I mean, how lucky, how lucky are we to be able to experience moments like that, yeah. you know, to the, you know, great, of, of our sort of era. Yeah. In the kind of alternative music scene, for of want course. of a better expression, um, two of the absolute gods, right? Gods and goddesses uh, of that scene. And to be exposed to that at such a young age, you know, it was pretty amazing. And to be asked to play. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. Like, where Do you remember where you were when you got the call? Uh, look, I was still living at my parents' place. Oh, I don't know wow. that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still living with mum and dad. Nice, nice. I remember, no, that's right, because I remember the night before the gig, uh, Chris from Jeff's and I, we were house-sitting. Um, his, his uncle or something had gone away for the holidays, and we both still live with our parents, obviously. We, and it's just, you know, we were just been out of our first year of uni or something. Yeah. Um, and so over the Christmas holidays, we were house-sitting this house together as a way to kind of live on our own. And so, of course, we were having a great time. And I remember the night before uh, the festival, this is kind of embarrassing, but um, we were, like, pulling out our clothes, like, trying on different outfits, <laughs> yeah, showing each other, man. like, what we should wear. <laughs> Do you remember what you went with? <laughs> oh, it was pretty bad. No, um, man. Oh, no, I think I made some late changes that saved it. I think at one point I was going to be wearing, like, these long, these jeans that had been cut into shorts. Nice. And, like, a beanie, like, kind of looked a bit like a condom. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, I changed at the last minute to, to jeans and a, and a T-shirt, which was probably the right move. And um, That's funny, man. But, yeah, I mean, but it's just, it's embarrassing and a little cringy, but it, you know, look, it what it what, what it speaks to me about is just that just that innocent excitement of we were fan we were music fans of course and of we were course. we were like all of a sudden like I said before like we were teenagers the band was probably only about one year old yeah and all of a sudden we we're like on the same bill as like yeah. these it's, other it's artists nuts. it was it was like you know yeah it was like nothing we, we we could imagine and so um just incredibly exciting yeah um do you remember seeing the Beastie Boys yeah yeah well they were right at the end how was it they headlined it yeah massive yeah to be honest with you I think I peaked at around Sonic Youth back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big days. <laughs> it was a big, it was a long day for the little fella. Of course, man. And we of played course. pretty early. So I reckon by the time uh, Beastie Boys were on, I, I don't remember it as well, probably because by then, you know, and it probably only took about four or five beers back then. For me to... <laughs> yeah, in the heat of Frio, yeah, that's right. Heat of Perth, that's right. I was probably starting to lose a bit of energy by then. <laughs> oh, man. That is a, that's an awesome story. I found uh, we've gone two years later when you shared the stage with these guys.
talk to me, man. Now, I've got a show here in Melbourne Park. Did you guys go everywhere? No. Oh, no, we just did. Um, it was just Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Ah, how was that? And it was that? in 1998. And um, so it was, I mean, for starters, Smashing Pumpkins when we were at high school were huge, especially for Chris, the guitarist of Jebs. Um, he was the one that sort of introduced me to them. And um, um, and those first, well, the first three Smashing Pumpkins records really were massively influential. Now, but in 98, when we toured with them, they were on to, I think, their fourth record. And to be honest with you, I was starting to kind of, yeah. you know. Wayne yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, which isn't to say, you know, those first three records are still brilliant. In fact, I listened to um, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness on a road trip just nice. earlier this year for the first time in, God, cool. ages. Cool, cool. And, um, and it was it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. But, um, but yeah, it was it was an interesting one because we were playing, we were playing these, we were playing, you know, state, like, entertainment centers, mm. um, and we never, we didn't meet them at all. Um, Did you think you were going to at some point? I think so. Yeah. And, but, you know, the thing that I remember, and I've told this story before, and, you know, I don't want it to, there's no shade on Smashing Pumpkins at all. Like, mm. yeah, this is more, uh, this is more a reflection on me than them. But um, I just remember that, um, so I was 21 by this point in time, maybe, maybe not even 21 yet. Mm. And I just remember sort of walking down the, the sort of, you know, in the bowels of the entertainment center, you know, you've got the maze of hallways and rooms and stuff and walking past him. I heard Billy warming up his vocals in a room and, you know, it said Billy Corgan on it. So, oh, got his own room. And then went past another room and Darcy. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, they will just separate, do their own thing. Mm. And and I was kind of like, I, at that point in time, I just, I still, and I hadn't seen it done like that before. And yeah. I, I still had, was just had it in my head that bands just always hung yeah, out together. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I know that that was a very naive innocent. And also this is a band that tours all over the world and I get it. You need your space, yeah. right? So no yeah. shade on Smashing Pumpkins if they're, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was a little bit of, I just, it was just a moment where I was a little bit like, oh, you know. Santa's not real. Yeah. Uh, no, well put, well put, because like, you know, and it's sometimes like that, isn't it? When you, you meet people you idolize as well, and sometimes you're like, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, look, Without naming names, I've but. been very, very lucky in that regard. People always say, don't, you know, never meet your heroes. Yeah. And, and there are a few, I've been very lucky to meet a lot of um, my musical heroes. Well, though, mind you, a lot of my musical heroes have been Australian. Cool. Um, far more so. And, and a lot of my musical, other musical heroes are dead. Um, so there's not many sort of other ones. But anyway, um, I've been very lucky in that regard in that um, yeah. I've, I've met, been able to meet a few of my musical heroes and I've, I can't think of a bad um, a bad experience awesome. in, in that field. Well, that's a good segue into Australian heroes and one of the best Australian festivals that sadly isn't around. We're talking home bake. Yeah. And 99, what a lineup We had Silverchair, Powderfinger, Grinspoon, Custard 2, Friends of Rom, something for Kate. Homebake was fun. Paint the picture for people who might not remember it. In Sydney, the outside festival, all Australian lineup mm. that would happen around December every year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the fact that it happened in December every year and it was Australian only, it really kind of had a very different kind of atmosphere backstage to any other festival. Great cool. Particularly Big Day Out. Yep. Um, I mean, Big Day Out was super exciting because you had all these, you know, international bands and, and, and all that. But um, the backstage vibe at Homebake was a lot more casual. 
people. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, my experience of it was that there was, you know, people weren't kind of cut off from each other, whatever. Everybody sort of yeah. mingled and um, um, and it was really good fun, really good fun back there. And, and yeah, because it was the end of the year, it was sort of, yeah, there was, a, there was always a very much a feeling of people. It was kind of like where sometimes that was the only time you would sort of catch up with people. Yeah, otherwise it's just in and out at the airport. Yeah, you don't really sort of see. Yeah, yeah. don't so really hang out. catching up with people for a bit. Yeah. Um, so I had that sort of collegiate sort of atmosphere. Do you remember any of those gigs? I feel like those shows were pretty wild as well. Yeah, um, I remember I got a great memory. I don't think it was 90, it might have been the year before 99. I was actually, given that we were talking about 99 in Silverchair, I remember our um, uh, tour manager at the time, whose name was Alan Balmont, who was the drummer in Ammonia. He um, he was, you know, well, we were both big Silverchair fans, but he'd, he'd spent a bit of time. Or he'd, he, I think back in the days when Ammonia were going, you know, they'd hung out a bit or whatever. And he was like, oh, come on, you, you got to watch Silverchair from out the front, you know, because, nice. you know, normally I just watch bands from side of, of stage and stuff, which is great fun, but, you know, you don't get the full proper experience, yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. So he takes took me out to the to stand, you know, where the mixing desk was at home back, which is something I hardly ever did. I would always just yeah. be watching side of stage and um, watch Silverchair close the festival. Um, and they were just, they were in sensational form, mm. you know, um, they were so powerful. And, you know, Daniel was, you know, by that stage, an, you know, bonafide kind of superstar. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that, the sort of power of, of that of, of that band live. Um, and I think Alan, who took me out to watch them, was, I think he wanted me to see him because this was in 99. We, we just started touring overseas. We'd nice. been to Canada for the first time. And the following year, we were going to go to North America for tour for three months. And I think he wanted to kind of go, this is, this is what a, in, an Australian international yeah. band sounds like. Yeah. Um, like to give me a bit of that yeah. perspective of just to be like, you need to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it was a little bit like, come on, you know, because we were having a good time. Of course. And, you know, we sometimes we, we prioritize fun over technical. Uh, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, that's, you know, people have never been into Jebediah because of our technical prowess. Of course. You know? We're not yeah, radio yeah. Head, I, I, know, know? I know, I know, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we, so yeah, but, uh, but I, I feel like maybe there was a little bit of just a little bit like this is how it's done. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, full shout outs to Silverchair, full respect. Um, but yeah, Homebake was a, any Australian band that played Homebake would, would tell you the same thing, I reckon, that, um, that it was just a lot of fun. And, and I think people really enjoyed the fact that it was just an Australian thing. Well, while you were talking on Big Day Out, so let's talk to the Big Day Out you did play. This was one year later. We had the Chilies, Chemical Brothers. Link, a huge lineup while we're talking Australian festivals. Talk to us about the big day out. Surely you grew up going. And, yes, yeah, of course. And um, you know, the first big day out I went to was in '95. Um, yep, at Fremantle Oval. Um, and then Jebediah played '96. Was it '96? Yeah, maybe it was '97. Even '97. Yeah, um, just on the local stage, just in Perth. Yeah, of course. And then it didn't happen in '98. Okay. Um, they had a year off, and then '99 and 2000, we we did two years in a row. We we're very lucky to. Get oh, nice. Um, both times on the main stage, and the, by the time 2000 came along. We were sort of late afternoon main stage. So to kind of put perspective on that, like for, for us, you know, going to the big day out as punters, underage, when I went to the first one, you know, it was like, that was like, um, that was kind of the pinnacle for yeah. us, you know, as, as gig goers. And for I sort of viewed the music industry as a live thing. Yeah. You know, I don't ever remember kind of in those early days being like, oh, I can't wait to go, go to a studio and make a record. What yeah, studio am I going to yeah, do? Yeah, what yeah. producer am I going to work with? Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. It was all like, what gig? What bands are we going to play with? what festival like I just viewed the world from a live perspective um, 
and obviously, you know, that started to change once I started making records. But yeah. so for me, the big day out was kind of like, you know, it was like the grand final. It was like the premiership. Um, and and to, the dream was to be on the main stage of the big day out. That yeah. was the absolute dream. And when we, you know, when we first started going to them, I mean, that seemed like such an un- unattainable fantasy. Of, of course. It yeah. was it was almost, it was another world, yeah. right? And and the bands that existed in that world may as well have come from outer space. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it just seemed that, you know, that not, but you know, and the, I guess that's part of the beauty of the big day out. One of the one of the many things that was beautiful a bit about the big day out, particularly in the earlier years, was it gave Australian bands an opportunity yeah. to um cross that divide. Mm. You know, of to course. go from being yeah. like, you know, oh, this world is so unattainable and alien to me to to show to give them an opportunity to kind of be a part of it, yeah. you know, and so many bands, including us, would say would, you know, have to say that the big day out if you were to ask what the biggest crowd we've ever played to, it'd be Sydney Big Day Out in two thousand. Yeah. Um uh, so it was you know, so I can't understate sorry, I can't overstate just how special it was um to be a part of something that we'd just grown up sort of idolizing. Yeah. Um but you know, that year you know, you were playing Blink One Eight Two and it just we went on after Blink One Eight Two. Oh, don't say that. Really? I know. You know, which is mind blowing to me now. Um um but I guess they were just about to put out their biggest sort of breakthrough record. Of course, and of course. We'd we'd just come off our biggest record and I suppose that you know, God bless the powers that be. Amazing. Um decided that um we would go on after them. Um which was yeah, and I was a you know, I was a big fan of Blink. Um I'd gone to see them as an all ages punter when they came to Perth yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. Um, you know, sort of ran into them backstage a few times and that was really exciting. And but yeah, playing after them was just yeah, for an Australian band, it's just oh, crazy. Huge man. And you know, I remember watching like Channel V back in the day, like those mosh pits. And that was like that beautiful time as well where it was just before mobile phones. Yes. You know what I mean? So people yeah. like really in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great photo that I um, posted online some time ago. A friend sent it to me actually. And it was a photo that they'd taken um, out the front of this venue in Perth, which was called Planet Nightclub. Um, and it was kind of like the, held about 800 people. It was sort of like the, what would be the equivalent? I mean, maybe it was kind of like a Perth version of like um, the corner. Yeah, the corner. Yeah. Um, and it's this photo taken from like 96, whatever. And I think it must have been like an EP or a single launch or something that we're doing. And um, it's an all age, clear, you know, we do an all age show in the afternoon and a license show in the evening. And this picture was taken in the afternoon and before doors have opened, right? And this this pavement, it was on quite a main street and yeah. strewn all on this pavement are just all these kids. And everyone's just hanging out. People sitting, you know, sitting in groups on the ground, standing up. Um, but everybody's like hanging out and talking to each other. Um, and no one's got a phone because they didn't yeah. exist yet. They're engaged. Um, and it's just, it was, it really struck me as like being a really interesting kind of snapshot of how music, particularly live music and particularly you know that age that sort of 16 to 18 19 age how it is it really is a genuine com- like builder of communities of kids people music lovers from all over the place you know i mean i remember first going to all ages shows i, I grew up in the suburbs of perth yeah. you know pretty kind of pretty kind of normy sort of life and one of the things i love about going to my first all ages show is like all of a sudden i was surrounded by like hardcore goths and like these punks and i'm talking about punks with the proper <laughs> yeah. spiked hair that yeah. would go up like half a meter like off the head. The ranted haircuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all the sort of thing that you didn't see in a suburb where I grew up, you know, um, yeah. and you, so you saw, so people would, you know, these 300 people that went to this gig were coming from all walks of life all sort of, you know, all the different subcultures and all the different, you know, parts yeah. of Perth. Um, 
So it was a real melting pot. Awesome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very kind of. That was when I kind of came away just going, oh, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. You know? Um, you kind of, I think it's, you can, that, that expression about finding your people, you know? Yeah. I think there's something about, you know, going to, experiencing live music where, you, where if you're lucky, you kind of have that feeling of like, oh, yeah, these yeah. are my people. This is my tribe. Hell yeah, man. It's such a great way of putting it. Everyone's <laughs> in the same boat, you know, because it's like you may not be into sport or anything like that. You are kind of outliers and to kind of come together like that. And you're right. Find your people. It's pretty yeah. rare. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and yeah, so that, that photo, that's what it kind of brought back all of those kind of thoughts and ideas. And, you know, like I'm sure, you know, music still has that effect today. Yeah. I think it's just done differently. I think, you know, obviously a lot of communities are made online these days. Yeah. Um, but there's, that's still a that's still a genuine community being made around music. Yeah. You know, of Absolutely. people um, who maybe maybe don't feel like they fit in, where you know, in their sort of day-to-day lives, being able to kind of find communities of people that where they sort of connect over music and stuff. It's just, yeah. um, and you know, like you see it too, like especially at metal shows, you know, just the other day in Brisbane, <laughs> I was in an elevator at the airport and the doors open and there's this group of, and I think it was a mum and her two young daughters and <laughs> The daughters are just like head to toe, just black, <laughs> yeah. black makeup. I think they were, uh, they were like the t-shirts. I couldn't read them, but it's like full heavy metal t-shirts. Yeah. They were just like done up from head to toe. Um, I think like Slipknot, you know, sorry, a Slipknot t-shirt might have been in there or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it's just another. Uh, uh, of course, it's man. just another reminder. It was of life. This, yeah, it's, it's like just, a time capsule. It's so cool. Yeah, awesome. But hey, one more game before we've got okay. to go. All right, here we go. On Triple M's homegrown with Matteo, it's time for. Uh oh. It's my party again. Right, now, this is called Right Party Dinner. We've got three acts. You can write a song with one. The okay. second you can party with. The third you've got to take home to dinner. Now, all these bands are in their prime. All right? Okay, just, write a just... song, take home to dinner, party. All right, so okay. your three acts are. Picked at random. We got the Eagles. Act two. Black Sabbath. Third. <laughs> Billy Idol, oh. right? Party dinner. We got the Eagles, Black Sabbath, and Billy Idol. All right, I'm going to say I'm going to write a song with the Eagles. Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, you know, it might it might end up being a Bob Evans song. Over, maybe not a good <laughs> song. <laughs> so yeah, write a song with the Eagles. Um, we got party and dinner, Black I, Sabbath, Billy Idol. I'm going to take Billy Idol to dinner. Oh, I like that. I think. Yeah. Um, and. Yes, I'm going to roll the dice <laughs> and party with Black Sabbath. Yeah, Although that could be a decision that I regret. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Kevin, man, thank you so much for coming in and having Thanks, a chat. Buddy. It's so good to catch up with you in person. Thanks, Congratulations on the new album, WA Hall of Fame. It's so special, man. Like People live for your band. Like I said, we've grown up to listening to you and we love the new stuff too, man. It's exciting times and Thanks, always man. a pleasure. I appreciate that. Thank you.